We remember what we experienced. We don't remember what we memorized. And that to me is the best way to learn herbal medicine too, you know? It's like, don't just read about it. Go grow it, go harvest it, go immerse your senses into it. Taste that plant, put it into your body. Feel the way it moves through your organ systems, the way it affects your system. And you know, you're gonna you're gonna learn that plant by heart, mm-hmm. right? And I, to me, it's like, we wanna learn these things by heart, not just memorize them because we forget what we memorize. You are listening to Herb Mentor Radio by Learning Herbs. I'm John Gallagher. And I'm Tara Ruth. Today we're chatting with Seja Popham. Seja is the author of Evolutionary Herbalism, Science, Spirituality, and Medicine from the Heart of Nature. With his wife, Whitney, he co-founded the School of Evolutionary Herbalism and Natura Sophia Spagyrix, which is an herbal extracts company. Seja trains herbalists in a holistic system of plant medicine that encompasses clinical Western herbalism, medical astrology, Ayurveda, and spagyric alchemy. You can learn more about Seja and his work on evolutionaryherbalism.com. Welcome, Seja. You're finally here. Finally here. Radio. We've <laughs> known each other like 12 years. I think it's been about that long. Yeah. You, Whitney, and I, we met at a, like an herbal conference, or maybe it was the one and only Rootstock Festival, Mountain Rose Herbs. And then we had, and we just hit it off from there. And we've been talking and, you know, hanging out and everything all that time. And I'm just so glad that you are, you know, finally here with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me, John. It's really great to be here and excited to share with the Learning Herbs community or Mentor Radio. I just wanted to say that, you know, you and Whitney impressed me so much. I remember the first time I met you and I, I, I went to your booth and I saw all of the extracts you both made <laughs> and how many there were and the labeling and everything. And it was just massive, the amount of, you know, herbs you were and, and, and also your way of going about it and the spagyrics and everything. And I was just so immediately impressed. And I was like, I got to get to know these two. They're awesome. So, and I was right. So, well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, it was written in the stars. It was written right. in the stars. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of astrology and spagyrics, Seja, I just want to dive right into a few terms from your bio, which are medical astrology and spagyric alchemy. And I think most people have an idea of what astrology is, but what does this have to do with herbalism and what exactly is medical astrology? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a topic I'm really passionate about and uh, and something I really like to express because I think it's something that's actually really misunderstood a lot of times. And uh, people hear the word astrology and oftentimes it can be like an immediate red flag, doors closing, ears stop listening, because I think a lot of times astrology is really misunderstood in terms of what it is and what it does. And, you know, I think the pop astrology that people see in the newspaper or just think of it as like fortune telling or telling you who you are is a little bit of a misrepresentation. And so for me, astrology is really a tool for understanding a human being holistically. We typically think of astrology as a means for understanding your personality and your qualities and traits and characteristics. But what a lot of times people don't really know is that the whole astrological pattern also has a a very physical, physiological reflection as well, that all of the archetypal forces in astrology 
the planets, the signs, the, the four elements, the three modes, these all have representations in the body. And those physical representations of these archetypal forces is really what is at the basis of the practice of medical astrology, which has been, you know, utilized cross-culturally around the globe for a very, very long time. The, the system I predominantly work with is the Western approach, which has very deep roots in European culture. And uh, yeah, and that is kind of a bridge to the the alchemical tradition, which is a very deep part of the work that I do. And so for me, the the medical astrology is, it's just another tool, you know? I think sometimes I, I get misunderstood a lot mm-hmm. in terms of what I do. I think people think I'm like, sitting with people and doing an astrology reading, quote unquote. And that's not really what I do. You know, it's like when I'm working with a person, I'll do a standard intake with someone, you know, the interview and pulse and tongue. Well, not so much pulse anymore because a lot of it's at a distance. And then on the back end is when I use medical astrology. It's really something I do when I'm reviewing a case and it's a way of confirming and another lens to look through in terms of evaluating what is the root cause of the problem that this person is struggling with. And to me, that's that's how I utilize it as a tool. It's, it's a way of, of being able to understand what's causing a problem for a person. And the other profound thing about it is that, you know, that astrological map It has a physical representation, but it also represents, as many people know, you know, our psyche, our our, our mental and emotional dynamics, our spiritual dynamics. They say it's like a snapshot of our soul. And so in that way, you know, my approach to herbalism, I really strive to be holistic. I really want to address the whole person. We're not just the body. We're not just our psyche. We're all of it. And so to me, I want to be able to understand the whole person. And the astrological tool gives us a a pattern, a map, a framework that shows the relationship between the human soul, the human psychology, and human physiology in one system. And so for me, that was a really profound tool that has assisted me a lot in being able to better help people. And I think that's the most important thing, right? It doesn't matter if we use Ayurveda or TCM or pulse evaluation or modern biomedical blood work and hormonal analysis, like whatever tool we use, as long as it's giving us information that gets us to the right remedy that gets a person healed, that's great. That's great. And it's like, so for me, it's beyond belief system. It's beyond you know, it's it comes down to what works <laughs> and what's going to mm-hmm. better empower us to, to heal someone, right? So, yeah, so that's just a little bit on the medical astrology side. And I guess you asked about spagyrics too, so I'll dig into that real quick, as quickly as yeah, I can. Yeah, let's do but, it. Yeah, so, so spagyrics is a branch of the Western alchemical tradition, the European alchemical tradition. And um, this was a term developed by the Swiss physician and alchemist and metallurgist and wizard Paracelsus. Hmm. And it, it spagyric means to separate and recombine or to separate and or and reawaken. And it, it refers to a branch of alchemy that is specifically concerned with the holistic preparation of plants. And so it, it's a form of herbal pharmacy and I consider it a very advanced form of herbal pharmacy whereby we are able to concentrate the medicinal virtues of a plant 
while at the same time concentrating its more subtle esoteric virtues or its spiritual virtues as well. So for me, in the same way that I want to work with a person holistically, I want to work with the plant holistically too. And I remember when I was you know, at Bastyr University in the herbal sciences program, you know, I wanted to make the most concentrated, powerful herbal medicine I could so that it healed the whole person. And I, but I went about it in this like crazy way, you know, I'd be like tincturing it and tincturing it again and pressing it, <laughs> cooking it down and extracting it in vinegar and extracting it in water and cooking, boiling mm. it. And, but no matter what I did, I always ended up having to compost the herb at the end. And that always really bugged me because I, I always felt like, there's still some medicine in there and I don't know what it is or how to get it out, but I feel like my medicine's missing something. And when I learned about spagyrics, you know, they say that everything in nature has kind of this threefold pattern that has sulfur, mercury, and salt or soul, spirit, and body. And, and they say that in, in the plant, it's the salt, the body of the plant is, is its purified form is in the alkali mineral salts. And you get those mineral salts by taking your extracted plant and you burn it down to an ash and there's a way of crystallizing all those mineral salts and adding them back into your medicine. And when I learned that, it was like, ah, oh, there it is, you know. Um, that mm-hmm. is like the secret key that I've been looking for. And and there's some really interesting things that happen with those alkali mineral salts. And that's just one piece of a much larger scheme of spagyrics. But to me, it's a it's a it's a system of pharmacy that 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 gives us a way of concentrating the whole plant. So in a similar way where, you know, a lot of people think, oh, we want to treat the body. Well, yeah, use a tincture or use a decoction or a powder. And But if you want to, you know, work with someone on a maybe emotional level or psychological level, like a lot of people use flower essences, and that's great. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was like, I feel like there should be a singular medicine that encompasses the biochemical side of a plant and the more subtle or esoteric or psycho-spiritual wow. effect of the plant. And that is what the spagyric does. Oh my gosh. So we got a lot to, to unpack here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so the framework. So I love that mindset where we're talking about medical astrology first. So it's this framework that people can have that they can write, use as an intake tool for themselves or if they're working with clients. And then, so then, you know, anyone then can use this tool and to figure out, can, can, I mean, is it easy for people like who learn this to kind of use this for themselves or their families as a framework? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to learn for mm-hmm. sure. It's, you know, it's not like something you can just, you know, mm-hmm. like read a book on it and be able to really dig, you know, it's really helpful to study it and to practice it. But yeah, absolutely. It's a way of being able to see inside someone's body and figure out what's going on. Like I can illustrate it with a recent case that I had actually yeah, where, oh, where I, I was working with someone and, uh, you know, the, the chief complaint was, pretty excessive swelling in the lower extremities, feet, ankles, lower legs, really puffy and swollen, you know, and, and after doing the intake, it was like, okay, you know, kind of had a sense for what was, what might be going on. But, you know, that as a superficial symptom can be a sign of a much deeper root cause. I mean, that can be a heart condition. It can be kidney problem. It could be a liver issue. It could be vascular permeability and they're just blood vessels are leaking. Like, so, so when I'm looking at this, it's like, okay, well, what's go for my question is what's going on here? Like what's the underlying cause of this 
superficial expression of a symptom. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after looking at the tongue and looking at facial lines and kind of reading the body kind of based on the work of like what Marky Flint teaches, I had a sense of like, there's some liver stuff going on, but I didn't really know. And so I pulled up her chart. And when I was doing the case review, there was like, all of these indicators for the liver, stuff going on with Virgo that rules the liver, stuff going on with Jupiter that rules the liver, and challenging aspects to things like Mars that indicate inflammation and heat and all this stuff. So I was like, oh man, I think I think something's going on with her liver. So I said, hey, I got reached back out and I said, you know, I think you need to go get some blood work done. Just get your liver checked out. I just want to make sure everything's okay because, you know, this can be an indication. I didn't tell her this, but in my mind, I'm like, well, this, there could potentially be something serious going on here. So she went to her standard primary practitioner and got some blood work done. And sure enough, you know, she had really elevated liver enzymes, AST, ALT, ALKFOS, kind of through the roof. And they ended up digging in and into her liver. And it turns out she has cirrhosis. Oh. And so... You know, for me, like that tool of medical astrology guided me into trying to figure out like what level of help this person needs. Now, if I was just like an allopathic herbalist, I would have been like, oh, here's some diuretics to drain the fluids and get you peeing more and get that puffiness and that swelling down. We'll just give you diuretics and call it good. Mm -hmm. And that might have helped with the superficial symptom, but that's not going to fix the underlying problem. And so that's why for me... As an herbalist, I think we need as many tools in our toolbox to be able to holistically assess and evaluate a person. Hmm. You know, I was wondering when you're saying this about like, like with the the chart, is it like fixed? Like this is like this person's, you know, chart at a time of their birth or whatnot, or is it dynamic in the sense that, hey, it's also including what's going on now? Very good question. It's both. So there's two layers to it. And this is actually very much in accordance with an Ayurvedic constitutional theory. So in Ayurveda, they say that we have our, and I'm probably not pronouncing the terms correctly, so forgive me for anyone <laughs> that knows how to say these words, right? But we have, right. Our, we have our prakruti, right, which is our core constitution. They say that this is when we are born, it's like we are stamped with these elemental patterns that determine, you know, our, our body type and our temperament and things like that, vata, pitta, kappa, et cetera. But then we have our vikruti, we have our assumed constitution that we adopt through our lifestyle and our diet and where we live and what we consume and how we think and how we feel. And the vikruti typically is like, you know, a pathological pattern. It's an imbalance. And so astrology sees it the same way. You have your natal chart. When you took your first breath of life, they say the forces, the archetypal forces in the cosmos are brought into the body. They're brought into the system. The moment we we take that first breath and it's like they stamp us with their influence. And that's unchanging. That's the natal chart or what's also called the radix, which means root. And so there's that. But then, you know, everything keeps moving. And so that is what we would refer to as like the transits. And so the way it's seen in medical astrology is we have our core pattern. We have our, you know, excesses and our deficiencies and our strengths and our weaknesses. And we have those, you know, those we all have predispositions. We all got our weak spot, right? Like mm -hmm. the where where we kind of tend to get sick or what kinds of problems yeah. we all uniquely can develop, but they're triggered by those transits. And so the practice is 
get a sense for what those strengths and weaknesses, excesses, and deficiencies are, and work with your diet, your lifestyle, herbal medicine to prevent the onset from those things from ever happening. So it's a very powerful tool for not only treatment and therapeutics, but really preventative medicine, which I think is like a great direction to move into. It's like, if we can prevent ourselves from getting sick, like, yeah, sign me up, right? <laughs> so Yeah. Mm, for folks who want to learn more about medical astrology, do you find it's helpful for them to first just kind of get a, a lay of the land with quote unquote, regular astrology and then dive more into medical astrology or oh. yeah, how do you suggest folks begin this journey of learning? Yeah, it's a really good question. So there's a lot of astrology books out there. Uh -huh. And I think there's a lot of really bad astrology books out there, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I mean, <laughs> I, there's so many. And, and and the thing for me is like, actually for me, I had a really hard time learning astrology. Like for a while, mm -hmm. like years, I was like, am I just not supposed to know this? <laughs> like, like I don't, it's just, I would like read a book or read a chapter and it was like in one ear, out the other. I couldn't retain the information because I felt like I had to memorize it all. Mm. And yeah. it wasn't until it became physical that mm. I understood it. That when I understood that Mars governs our immune system, our adrenals, our blood, inflammation, that when I see a nettle plant and I touch the nettles and I get that hot, red, irritated skin thing that nettles does and thought that's Mars, it was like, I get it now. And now all the stuff that we learn about Mars in, you know, kind of a psychological or a spiritual understanding of astrology makes sense. So for me, it was the medical astrology that actually helped me get all the other more personality-based astrology, I guess. But yeah, I think if people come into it with a little bit of a grasp of, you know, what the moving parts are, you know, the three modes, the four elements, the planets and the signs, that's like your basis. That that can be really, really helpful. But I think if people want to just really want to learn the medical side of it, I would just dive right into that and maybe not even bother with, uh, you know, I mean, I think it's good to understand some of the other dynamics of them. But And I just want to mention too, okay, three modes of astrology, cardinal, mutable, fixed, very, very similar to the three philosophical principles of alchemy of sulfur mercury salt very similar to the three gunas and doshas of ayurveda mm. very very similar to other triune patterns that we see in medical traditions not to mention the four elements i mean four elements are basis for most medical systems around the world four or five elements depending on the approach but same same Five in the so in the West says, that says the five element acupuncture right right I mean and I'm a I'm a five element guy too because to me that in the West they they talk about ether as that fifth element which is like the space so you know in a chart like the the fifth element is the circle like they divide it into a cross but the fifth element is the circle that encompasses it the space mm. right so I, I kind of like having that fifth well element if you there. if you go and see the the new Disney movie Elemental you'll um, understand all this. Oh, Nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really in there. No, when I, I just mentioned about five element acupuncture, you know, that was my way into seeing how to relate health to patterns of nature. And of course, when you start learning one and you only really know of one, you're like, oh, this is the right one, right? And then as time goes on, you talk with other people and you're like, you realize that, oh 
my God, all these cultures around the world that spent thousands of years observing nature and treating people, they all have amazing wisdom and information. And I think it's really just drawing, right? So like, what, like, what are you attracted to and what do you want to get into the most? So, you know, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree. You know what, Tara? What? My favorite part of listening to podcasts, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I, I find myself, I really like the commercials. Mm, yes. You They're know? so good. They're so fun. A moment because, of levity. Because it's like people are talking, and often they have this style where you don't even know it's a commercial. Mm-hmm. It's like so they're true. just like talking and the next thing you know, it's just like you found out about, you know, something mm-hmm. and you're just like, wow, mm-hmm. I think I really want that thing. But, um, but wait, is this a commercial? <laughs> well, I'm, no, no, I was just being very meta here. It might be. Well, you know, Sage is talking about all these plants and, and in learning herbs, of course, you could, we have a membership site called herb mentor and there's a section on herbs where there's all these plant profiles that have been well researched and you could go there and learn about plants anytime you want and also we have this cool new tool where you could like hold your we have an app too you know you download the Mm. app and you can go outside and hold it up to a plant and it identifies it for you or at least gives you a starting place to start looking into it and then you can go over on you know tap on over to herbs and read about it and know that you can trust that information you know because it's certainly you don't always trust everything you find out there online and you know Mm -hmm. absolutely especially in podcast ads Especially in podcast ads. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I love it. So Sage and his site on evolutionary herbalism, I've known him so long and it's a great website and great information. And he's definitely one of the herbalists that I trust and I love all the remedies that he makes. And ah, it's so great. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, if you Anyways. are interested in Herb Mentor, if you're a listener on Herb Mentor Radio, you can go to herbmentorradio.com and you know what's there. There, there may be a discount. I, I can't predict For the future because I haven't looked at the, the chart of oh. the podcast, but okay. I can, I, I'm assuming there may be a discount. <laughs> there may be a discount. So we're going to work on the chart now and we'll get back to you. But meanwhile, let's get back to the podcast. Let's do it. And do you find that when you're learning medical astrology, someone's learning it? Like I remember in, in, in acupuncture, there wasn't many books because it was sort of like an oral tradition, right? Because it involved mm-hmm. a lot of sensory awareness. Is it like like sensory awareness learning or is it like more intellectual and in figuring stuff out or both? Yeah, that's a really good question too. I mean, I think for the most part, most people approach it very intellectually, right? Mm-hmm. Reading it in a book, listening mm-hmm. to an instructor, which is great. But, you know, I think there's there's ways that you can incorporate an experiential understanding of astrology. And that's what really kind of like lands the plane, so to speak. Like it makes it real. It makes it tangible because these are things that we experience day in and day out. Just the modern human being is so disconnected from nature. We're just not aware of how these cycles and patterns in the cosmos and in the earth are influencing us. So even just simply following the moon is a very simple way of learning mm. the signs of the zodiac, right? Just follow, you know, you you do that for a number of cycles and you'll find a pattern of like, oh, when the moon enters, like this sign is when I feel really, really good or because the moons are feeling, it's just like, it's the closest thing to us. So it's the closest planet to the earth. So we feel it. And so it's a great way to learn. And you 
even like seeing when the moon, you could look at the cycles of the moon and when it when it over or transits or, or co- becomes conjunct or right next to planets in our natal chart, you feel that planetary energy. So it's really mm. like mm. there are ways to make it tangible and experiential. And I think that's the best way to learn it because we, what, how do we learn things? How do we remember things? What we experience, yes, yes. you know, we remember what we experience. We don't remember what we memorize. And that to me is the best way to learn herbal medicine too. You know, it's like, don't just read about it, go grow it, go harvest it, go immerse your senses into it, taste that plant, put it into your body, feel the way it moves through your organ systems, the way it affects your system. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to learn that plant by heart. Mm -hmm. Right. And to me, it's like, we want to learn these things by heart, not just memorize them because we forget what we memorize. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all a great way to connect to nature and everything around us. I mean, imagine journaling's involved and Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what it's all about. To me, everything comes down to reinvigorating our connection to the natural world, because I think that's at the root cause of a lot of things that the modern human struggles with. I love how you're bringing in this experiential learning piece, and it's making me think about your anecdote about nettles and how touching nettle kind of blew your mind, starting to think about how Mars is connected to nettles and connected to different body systems and organs. And I'd love to dive into nettles from a, more from an astrological perspective. Yeah, let's dig into it. So, so the way, you know... Okay, so in in the alchemical tradition, it's very common for people to like want to work with a plant under a planetary influence. And the ma- way most people go about that is they look it up in a book, right? What planet rules this plant? And, you know, I don't think that's a very good way to approach it for a number of reasons, <laughs> but especially out here, you know, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Most of our local herbs here, you can't look up in those books, right? They just they didn't know about those mm-hmm. plants. So for me, it went back to the drawing board of, okay, what what are the characteristics? Like, what are the things we need to look at in a plant to see what planetary power it would be correlated to? And so for me, there's like the habitat of the herb, the morphology of it. So if we look at nettles, you know, we see that it has that, well, first, let me talk about Mars really quick because it's it's hard for me to do this without giving a little bit of context. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so Mars is like the red planet, right? And the, some of the classical attributions of it are like war and intensity and like bloodshed. And it, Mars was like, it's the the archetype of war and intensity. And it's like the the, the warrior archetype. And so in, in medical terminology, Mars typically correlates to the blood. It correlates to our immune system and our inflammatory processes. Mars also, it kind of, it's what protects the system warrior, right? So it's what protects. So immunity, it's also like the fight or flight response, the survival instinct. So the adrenal glands come under its rulership. Classically, it's associated with the male anatomical reproductive system. So just, I mean, I usually talk about Mars in like an hour, but that's like the one minute quick high level overview. Um, the Wikipedia article, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when we look at nettles, like just look at it. It's got those super sharp serrated leaf margins. It's covered in those really sharp needles that are filled with formic acid. You know, it, it's intense, right? And yeah. it kind of like 
dominates a, an area, you know, when you come upon a big nettles patch, it kind of like takes over that little area, which is a very Mars dynamic. Mars kind of likes dominating things, like power over things. And so, so we see that in kind of its growth dynamic. We see that in its morphology. But then when we look into the medicinal properties, to me, this is when it gets really interesting. So what some of the primary affinities of nettle leaf is that it, it's a blood purifier, right? It's a classic alterative, so it cleanses the blood, but it also builds the blood because it's incredibly full of nutrients, especially minerals, and especially one particular mineral, iron. Well, Mars is the traditional ruler of iron. And so we see oh. nettles is full of iron, Mars rules iron, our blood is full of iron, so there's kind of this three-way correspondence between them. And of course, you know, we touch nettles, like I said earlier, you touch it, that whole response is Martian. It's hot, it's red, it's itchy, it's inflamed, it's irritated, you know, it's irritated. That's what Mars is like medically. It's like it inflames and irritates and it breaks things down, destroys its its inflammation and oxidation, right, is Mars. And so, but when you take nettles internally, it cools everything down, right? It cools down heat. It cools down irritation. So when you touch it, it's like that inflammatory response you get topically. If there's something like that going on internally, it treats it. So it kind of flips. It kind of flips around when you put it into your body. Now, then we see the seeds of nettles are, are... you know, modern usage used a lot of times as a kidney trophy restorative, but they also have an impact on the adrenal glands. Well, Mars rules the adrenals. The root of nettle is commonly used for the prostate gland. Mars rules the prostate gland. So there's all these interesting layers of relationship with this plant and the the way it influences our organ systems and tissues, even down to when you harvest it. So at least here in the Northwest, we typically like to harvest our nettle leaf in early spring, in Aries season, which is the sign ruled by Mars in early spring. We harvest the roots in the fall, in Scorpio season, which is the sign that governs the reproductive system and is also governed by Mars. So there's all down to like the timing of when you harvest the different parts of the plant, we see that nettles correlates to this archetype. And that's like, that's the whole thing is like this orientation from the alchemical orientation of understanding plants is looking at the wholeness of the herb down from its chemistry, its environment, its morphology, its medicinal actions, its tastes, its energetics, right? And and seeing, okay, what's the pattern here? What is the what is the thematic element that's present in this plant? And what archetypal force is like most dominant in this herb? And in a similar way that when we're working with constitutions and people, we say, oh, this person say predominantly vata or pitta or kapha or whatever it might be. Well, we do the same thing with plants based on the planets. And so we say that that planet, it, it corresponds to that planetary archetype and that planetary archetype kind of weaves through multiple levels of that herb like i said from its psychospiritual properties even all the way down to its chemistry so it's a little bit of a different approach to understanding herbs but i really like it because it it makes a lot of sense for a lot of remedies when you when you start to see the pattern and that to me is is 
the thinking about a plant, you know, it, it's it's all a pattern. Everything in nature is based on patterns. And, and the closer we get to understanding kind of the core medicinal pattern of the plant, now we're starting to grasp the essence of that herb, like the real, like the medicine of that plant its essence. And that's what we're all concerned with in alchemy is the essence of something, the essence of a person, oh. the essence of a plant, the essence of a mineral. And then how do we how do we draw that essence out and preserve it and extract it into a prepared medicine so that then it's going to touch the essence of the person and then bring about a deeper level of healing for them. Well, I feel like we started with me here because we're talking about things with adrenals and prostate. Um, <laughs> And um, so, you know, I might as well use this time selfishly. No, but <laughs> but I was wondering um, if we're taking, uh, if we're diving into a, 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 like say insomnia, which is something else I've dealt with, but also something I think a lot of people deal with these days. Is that connected to that as well, or can that be a good condition to go from from an astrological uh, astrological perspective? Yeah, yeah. And what I like about it is that. You know, a lot of people think, like a lot of times it's, people think like uh, a symptom's a symptom, you know, mm -hmm. oh, insomnia is insomnia. So everyone with insomnia should be able to like take the same drug or take the same herb mm -hmm. and it's going to fix their insomnia. That's not really true, right? There's different types of insomnia. Like some people can't sleep at night because they're in physical pain. Some people can't sleep at night because they have mental anxiety. Some people can't sleep at night because... It, ironically enough, they're so exhausted they can't sleep or their mind is racing and looping in all these different directions. Like there's different types of insomnia. There's different types of constipation. There's different types of headaches. And so in that situation, that's where the astrological piece is, is very helpful because it allows you to see what's underneath the symptom. So from an astrological perspective, we would say that, you know, in general, the moon tends to govern our sleep, right? It has to do with, traditionally, it's correlated to the brain. More modern medical astrology kind of gets a little bit more specific than that, but it is commonly correlated to the brain, like our dreams and our sleep oftentimes are corresponded to the moon. But then the planet Venus is generally associated with our capacity to relax, like our ability to just unwind. I mean, in herbalism, a lot of the nerving remedies that calm and sedate the system are governed by Venus because Venus is the great relaxant. And so for sleep stuff, that's usually like what I would be looking at in someone's chart. And then you're looking at, okay, well, what's the nature of the moon? Like if the moon is in a sign like, say, Gemini, well, Gemini is like a mutable air sign. It's very intellectual. And someone with that kind of placement, they might have trouble sleeping because their mind is racing all over the place, right? They just yep. got looping thoughts and they can't they can't calm their mind down, right? And that's yep. what's keeping them up at night. And I'm that, a Gemini. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, right. So, so then like- His see, moon's in Gemini too. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So right there, okay, interesting. So that right there is an insomnia 
potential predisposition. And I think it's really important to make clear to everyone. I'm not saying if your moon's in Gemini, everyone with that's not going to be able to sleep. Exactly. So that's really important. But what that does is that gives me more information about the nature of their inability to sleep. And that points me in the direction of a particular herb, right? And in that type of situation, like for me, passion flower is like number one go-to for that specific indication of insomnia due to kind of looping, wandering, racing thoughts, right? When the mind just cannot shut up. That's where I really like passion flower. So so that's one of the ways that you get more specific. And, and whether you use medical astrology or not, I think for all herbalists, this is what we have to do. We can't take a symptom at the surface level. We can't just say, oh, I have headaches. And we're like, oh, okay, well, here's the headache herbs. It's like, well, where in the head? Is it temporal? Is it occipital? Is it all around? Does it does pressure make it better? Do you not want to touch it? Is it better with a hot pack? Do you want to put ice on it? Like you got to get really detailed in the specificity of what type of headache are we working with. And that's going to get you in the right direction of what herbs specifically are going to be indicated for that person with the headache, right? Because as holistic mm-hmm. herbals, we don't treat headaches. We don't treat insomnia. We treat people, right? right. We treat people with symptoms. It's really easy yeah. to overlook, but it's like, we got to remember that we're treating, we're working with humans and uh, and each person has a very unique way that they express on a physical level, on a psychological and emotional level. And I think a good herbalist knows that and and kind of gets custom, gets specific to treat that, that person mm. in their own unique way. God, you'd hope any healthcare provider would, but it's so rare these days, especially in Western medicine. Well, that's not their, <laughs> it's not their way of thinking, right? No. It's a, and that's the thing, right? Is that is that there is such a thing as allopathic herbal medicine. Yes. Right? Use the willow bark for the headache. Oh, you got joint pain. Take some turmeric. Oh, you got the, you know, take some valerian because you can't sleep at night. And like, let's face it, 90% of the time, like, that doesn't work. Yeah. And I think when people approach herbs that way, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I tried that. Didn't work. Oh, herbal medicine is bunk. Like, it's not even real. Right. It doesn't work. And it can, like, turn whole people off from the whole thing of herbal medicine. And it's just because they, they didn't use the right remedy. So we're all raised in this culture of use this for that. And that's not how herbal medicines practice. And it, that doesn't really work that way. It's a totally different way of thinking, getting out of that allopathic this for that mindset Mm. and into a more holistic way of thinking, I think is critical. If you're just starting out like what we do on learning herbs in like basic first aid or colds and flu, it's a way an entry to start because like start where where you're used to, where you know. Absolutely. And then at some point, someone's going to start to, you know, well, listen to a podcast like this and realize that, oh, you know, I have this chronic thing going on and that's why those herbs aren't working, you know? I Absolutely. To, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a, that's a really, I'm glad you said that because I think that's also sometimes maybe where I get a little misunderstood. There's a place for allopathic herbalism. Mm-hmm. There's a time when you need to get a symptom under control while you're working with a root cause. There's acute situations of, yeah, I got a cut, put plantain on it. Like, yeah, it's great yeah. for that, right? It's like, and so I think there's also like scales of herbal work, you know, where there's like home, family, 
herbal medicine, first aid, you know, simple, using simple things, you know, for simple kind of -of run-of-the-mill day-to-day stuff. And then there's kind of the more, you know, clinical level of, you know, working with more serious conditions, chronic conditions, people with much more complex situations going on. And I think that's that's an important distinction too, right? But Mm. yeah, there's absolutely a place and a necessity. Like, yeah, it is good to know that certain herbs are good for certain conditions. And sometimes it's very specific. Like, yeah, lemon balm is really, really good for hyperthyroid patterns. Like it's just very specific. So there are areas where that does apply, but then there's some areas where, you know, willow bark for headaches sometimes doesn't really work for every headache, right? Seja, I love this holistic perspective you're bringing to approaching root cause and working with people. And it's making me think about the holistic perspective you bring to making medicine too, when with bringing in spagyric alchemy. And I'm curious, perhaps with nettles again, or another herb of your choosing, can you walk us through exactly how you think about medicine making from this alchemical spagyric perspective? Yeah. Yep. So Okay, so with spagyrics, like I was saying earlier, they say, you know, everything has kind of this triune pattern, you know, they all got sulfur, mercury, and salt, soul, spirit, and body. And um, those three principles in a plant have a very physical representation. So the sulfur of a plant, they say, is like it's volatile oil. It's its unique it's its unique expression of consciousness is the way they kind of describe it. It's its unique essence. Like in the same way that your soul is different from John's soul is different from my soul. Like every human has its own unique individual soul, Mm -hmm. right? Just like clove essential oil is very distinctly different from lavender, right? (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so then, but then the mercury of a plant, they say is its spirit. And that is that part of the plant, is, is they say the alcohol. And this is actually where we get the word spirits for alcohol. Oh. Yes, uh-huh. right? that's, what, that's the same sound <laughs> I made when I learned that too. I was like, because I always wonder, like, why are alcohol called spirits? Like, I've been to a bar. I've seen people really <laughs> drunk. It doesn't look that spiritual to me. It comes from alchemy. Because if you take any plant in the whole plant kingdom and you drown it in water, you ferment it, it yields ethyl alcohol, barks, roots, leaves, mm, seeds, mm-hmm. the your lawnmower clippings, it all yields ethyl alcohol. And the alchemist saw that and said, ah, that that's the spirit of the plant kingdom. Alcohol is the universal spirit of the plant kingdom. The spirit so, of the lawn. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they say that, so there's a the universal spirit, like they're in the same way that like my spirit is your spirit is the one spirit that moves through all things that animates and gives life. Yet we all have our unique individual soul. And so that's one thing I like about alchemical cosmology is it it sees the universality of things, the the kind of like new age, like we're all one kind of thing. And yet we're all separate and individual and unique. So then we have the salt, which is the alkali minerals. So in the spagyric process, we want to separate those three principles in a plant. So if we take lavender, right, we take our lavender and we generally harvest it at the the day, the planetary day and the planetary hour that governs that plant. Because in, you know, in herbalism, we harvest plants, but in alchemy, we harvest planets. So it's kind of looking at the spirit of time, the energy of time flowing through the particular space where you are. And so you gather that herb at that peak 
influence of that planet. And the first part is you you distill off those. And there's, there's okay, so just to preface really quick, there's many different types of spagyric preparations. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share kind of one of the main preparations that I predominantly work with, which I refer to as a spagyric essence. There's, I wouldn't say controversy, but there's friendly disagreement on what terminology we use in the alchemy world to describe what exactly we're making because there's lots of different <laughs> types of preparations. But so we start distill the essential oil. That's the sulfur of the plant. We take that same plant material and ferment it into a wine. And once that wine fermentation is done, the alcohol is distilled off of that wine, and that is the mercury. So you're actually making your own alcohol from the plant itself rather than like tincturing it in like Everclear vodka or something like that. And then there, the 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 mark or the spent plant material is incinerated to an ash, and it's ground up and burned and ground and burned and ground over and over and over again until you get this really nice soft white ash, which is then dissolved in water, and that dissolves all the water soluble minerals, and then that those water soluble minerals are crystallized, and there you have your salt principle. So you have your sulfur, the essential oil, the soul, the distilled alcohol, the mercury, the spirit, and your alkali mineral salts, the salt or the body. Those three parts of the plant, and that's the speo part of spagyric, right? To separate, mm-hmm. they were separating the these parts of the plant, and then they are agiero, they're recombined back together. And that's what I love about spagyrics is that, you know, I think in a lot of like modern scientific approach to things is like, it's just separate, 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 divide, divide, divide. What's the what's the active co- compound? What's the active constituent? We're looking for that, you know, single bullet, you know, the magical bullet in the plant, right? And and we discard the wholeness of the herb and we don't put it all back together. And alchemy is, yes, we separate, we isolate, but yet we bring it all back together into a holistic form of medicine. And there's some very interesting things that happen <laughs> when you recombine a spagyric. I was actually talking with someone, a colleague of mine out at the International Herb Symposium. His name's Warren, Kist- I don't know how to say his neck, last name correctly, Kisten Broker, I think. Um, but he uh, he ran some, some chemical analysis on spagyrics where he sent a regular tincture of the herb. He sent a little bit of the, the crystallized mineral salts. And then he sent the combination of that tincture with the mineral salts to an, an analytic company. And, and you know, you got your, your peaks and valleys of like, okay, here's all the chemistry in the tincture. Here's all the chemistry in the alkali salts. Yeah. And then you would think the, the, the report on the combined spagyric would just be overlaying them, right? Like, oh, here's just, you have mm-hmm. the minerals with the tincture. That's not the case. We're talking, this creates new compounds, that wow. are not found in the plant. Like you're literally creating whole, a whole new biochemical profile of that herb. And so there is, you are transforming that plant. You're transforming that medicine into something different. And that's the way that it's been discussed in traditionally, the way Spagyrics talks about these forms of medicines. They say you are consciously assisting the evolution of the plant. And therefore, when you ingest that medicine, now the plant is consciously assisting your evolution. So it's considered evolutionary medicine, which is kind of why I call my work evolutionary herbalism, because mm-hmm. we're not just trying to ameliorate symptoms. We're literally using the the medicinal 
intelligence of nature in plants to facilitate in, you know, in, it sounds really woo-woo, but in the evolution of our consciousness, which in sim- more simple layman's terms is like just helping us become a better human being, right? Like helping us break through the things that hold us back, that limit us and bind us and the things that we struggle with in this life, that we all have a wound in our heart. We all have things that we we go through in this life that we need healing from. And that's why I'm such a huge proponent of spagyric medicine because I've seen so many people receive very powerful transformational healing experiences working with these forms of herbal medicine and that they're just very they're very very powerful so gosh yeah i feel like i feel like we're literally we're in the future we're gonna have to have you back and talk about your background and how you'll learn this and how people can do this and all because that's like a whole nother episode yeah um Mm -hmm. but um but you do have a company that you and whitney founded naturis of sophia spagyrix now that was originally called organic unity right if anyone listening has 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 you know purchased these extracts from you. So yeah. So how can people find out more about Spagyrix and what you offer? Yeah. Well, we've got our website over there, naturasophiaspagyrix.com. Good luck spelling that one out. Maybe there'll maybe I'll probably, probably be a link <laughs> well, in there somewhere, but uh, yeah. look in the description of the podcast. It'll there you be right go. There. Well, we're going to link it there. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We've got some articles on there. You will learn a little bit more about the spagyrix process. And we've got lots of remedies on there. I think we're about 150-ish single plants, 50-ish plus formulas, and about 30 to 40 different essences of single herbs that we do there. So many questions because it's like, how do you do that? How do you keep all that going? How much? Ah, I have so many, but uh, but you know, one thing I do want to bring up before we ask about where folks can, you know, what you're doing in your classes and everything is we do have a uh, a free webinar coming up that you and I are doing, and it's actually on vitalist, vit- vitalist herbalism. So I just wondering if you could just talk about for a second what that is, because, you know, if, if you've all been loving what you've been hearing, we have some more for you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because I think a lot of what I've been talking about is mm. is a vitalist approach. Yeah, You yeah. know, to me, the vitalism in and of itself is really recognizing that there's intelligence in nature, that there's purpose and consciousness in life. And taking that into herbal medicine, it show it's saying that, you know, in the vitalist approach is that our bodies are intelligent. Our body has an innate self-regulating healing mechanism within it that we want to work with as opposed to against when we're working with herbal medicines. And so to me, vitalism is really at the root of most traditions of herbal medicine from around the world. You know, we're a really good example of the difference between a vitalist approach and an allopathic approach is like a fever. You know, someone has a fever, allopathic medicine, like suppress the fever. The fever's the enemy. Take an aspirin. Vitalist approach says, No, that fever is an intelligent response of the vital force within the body responding to a pathogen, 
rather than suppressing the fever, we want to support that fever. We want to help the body do what it's trying to do. And that's why in herbalism, we typically give diaphoretics, right? That help move the blood to the surface and open up the pores and, you know, what we would call surface relieving herbs and TCM, right? We want to help support the body in doing what it's trying to do. And that is really central to the vitalist approach. So to me, I'm a really big proponent of talking about this because, you know, I think there's a lot, you know, herbal medicine is getting very popular. And I feel like it's important to recognize that, as I was saying earlier, that that herbal medicine sometimes doesn't work when we work with it and approach it in a use this for that allopathic model. And so for me, it's really good for people to have an understanding that there's kind of a different approach and a, and a more holistic way of thinking about people and plants that ultimately give, gives you a little bit better results and success right. with, with your herbal medicine. Right. And so everyone, this webinar that we're doing is called Thinking Beyond the Symptoms. Sage is going to get more into vitalist herbalism, even some deeper into some things he's been talking about here. And you can just go to herbwebinar.com. It's happening actually on the Equinox on September. September 21st, 22nd. Yeah. And so um, 2023. So make sure you go to herbwebinar.com before that and register. It's free, of course. And I just want to mention also just a you know testimonial for your spagyric extracts is I've been you know using them for many, many years and they're just so amazing. And it's everyone should just, you know, experience just the difference, you know? And it's just ah, yeah, I can't. It you just this magician that it's been in my life all these years. I don't know how you do all you do. I mean, even in your life, watching what you do with your school and your company and your family and your land, everything. It's just like, how does he do it? Like you are just, you and Whitney are these, these amazing magical people walking the planet. I've got a time know? turner, you know, yeah, so I you know do. how to like, manipulate time. Oh, oh, that's okay. okay. <laughs> it's a neat little productivity trick. No, um, when you learn enough about astrology, they give you that. <laughs> yeah. okay. that's, that's cool. That's the next <laughs> webinar. Yeah. Yeah, time turning. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sage, thank you so much for joining us on Herb Mentor Radio. For folks who want to learn more, where can they find more about your work? Yeah, so um, we have our educational platform called Evolutionary Herbalism. You can find that one at evolutionaryherbalism.com. And uh, we've got a, a YouTube channel and Facebook and Instagram and really focus a lot of energy and time and, and sharing free education, really, about herbal medicine and all the stuff we've been talking about today. You know, we really feel that education on these topics and, and herbalism, especially, you know, should be made available to as many people as you all do too, you know, making mm. things accessible and free, you know, which I, I just want to tip my hat to you all, you know, because it's really good working together to provide good knowledge and good guidance for people free of charge, which is what we really believe in too. So yeah, those are kind of some of the places. Mm. And we got our, our podcast too. Exactly. Called, I, called, I always forget about that one. That one's called, <laughs> that one's called The Plant Path. So that can be found on <laughs> Spotify One of the top Stitcher. herbal podcasts in the in you know on Apple Podcasts for you know and, and herbal mm-hmm. stuff. So please, is it? Make, I didn't know. Yeah, that. I don't know. Sometimes how to I look that stuff up. up and <laughs> I I don't either. I just kind of Google things sometimes. I'm like, oh, Sage, how does he do it? I'm awesome. <laughs> Yeah. By being great. That's how you do it. By being great. Yes. I highly recommend that podcast. Before I went to herb school, it was one of the podcasts I would, I just devoured it because I was so hungry for all that amazing knowledge you offer on that oh, platform. Nice. So thank, well, thank you. you. Thank mm-hmm. you.
Thanks so much, Sage, uh, and say hey to Whitney. Absolutely, yeah. Thank and, you all uh, very much for having me having me on the show. It's really a, a pleasure and an honor to be here. And just thank you for every, all the good work that you all all do over there. Thank you, thank you. And uh, Tara, want to take us out with an herb note on the podcast? Oh yes, let's do it. All okay, right. introducing our next herb note. Dot dot dot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you, Sage. Thank you. Welcome to Herb Notes. I'm Tara Ruth from Learning Herbs. Garlic is the medicine of the people. From its pungent aroma that fills our kitchens to its centuries-old reputation as a medicinal wonder, garlic holds a special place in both culinary and herbalism traditions. While many people think of garlic only as a tasty addition to their favorite meals, herbalists know that this humble bulb boasts many benefits that extend far beyond its flavor profile. So let's dive into three key health benefits of garlic. One, garlic can support immune health. Raw garlic acts as a strong antimicrobial herb that can not only help prevent you from getting sick, but can also help shorten the duration of colds and flu in addition to bolstering the immune system. This powerful herb can also address common cold and flu symptoms. Eating a little raw garlic with honey can ease a sore throat, and this pungent herb can also break up mucus, thinning the mucus so that it becomes easier to expel. Two, along with supporting immune health, garlic can also support healthy digestion. Cooking with fresh garlic can help address symptoms of stagnant digestion, including gas, bloating, and a heavy feeling in the stomach. This pungent herb can also stimulate the appetite and overall encourages more warmth and movement in the digestive system. The easiest way to enjoy the benefits of garlic is to cook with it. So you can make garlic bread, pesto with garlic, garlic honey, garlic vinegar, or simply add a few cloves of garlic to whatever recipe you're cooking. The world's your oyster. And when incorporating more garlic into your cooking, it's super important to start slow. As Rosalie de la Forêt notes in her garlic plant profile in Herb Mentor, garlic has a lot of inulin in it, which is a prebiotic. And this means that it can help feed healthy gut flora. And while small amounts of inulin are super helpful for healthy digestion, eating too much garlic, especially roasted garlic, can cause some discomfort and gas in sensitive folks. Three, garlic is anti-inflammatory. Garlic has strong antioxidant activity, which can help modulate inflammation in the body. As a driver of so many modern chronic health conditions, inflammation is an incredibly important factor to address when supporting overall health and wellness. Incorporating a little more garlic into your food can be one deliciously simple part of a holistic approach to vitality. So to recap, here are three ways I like to work with garlic. One, I work with garlic to bolster my immune system. Two, I add garlic to my meals to support healthy digestion. And three, I cook with garlic to help modulate inflammation. I do all of this in small culinary amounts to simultaneously make my food taste so good and to also experience the benefits of garlic. And just to note, since there are some concerns about garlic thinning the blood, if you are pre or post-op or you're taking any blood thinners, then please consult with an experienced practitioner before taking garlic. And if you want to learn more about garlic's benefits, you can visit herbnotes.cards to grab a free deck of our top 12 herb notes. You'll learn all about common herbs like garlic, yarrow, echinacea, cinnamon, and more. This has been Herb Notes with me, Tara Ruth. Catch you next time. Herb Mentor Radio and Herb Notes are 100% sustainably wildcrafted podcasts, written, performed, and produced by Tara Ruth and me, John Gallagher. Sound engineering by Zach Frank. 
visit urbanterradio.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and to find out how you can be part of Urbanter, which is a website that you must see to believe. Urbanter Radio is a production of learningherbs.com, LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you very, very, very much for listening.